Never ever in my wildest dreams would think that we would be doing the things that we are doing today. Have you noticed that we're in the middle of a pandemic? Have you seen it? Okay, I'm just asking, but do you know what the pandemic is? Sin, yeah. Sin, and I'm not talking about our government or things. I'm talking about just sin, right? You've heard it all morning through our conversations, through uh, Lyle setting up our service perfectly through the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, he has not read my notes. I, I will be honest, I have read his notes. Uh, so, uh, and uh, uh, Rob and myself, we go through the notes with Lyle and, and uh, we go through all of this stuff. And, but he has not seen my notes and I wrote my notes three weeks ago. So he read some of my verses already this morning. And the title of our thought, as we look at Psalm 32, we're in Psalm 32, again, just looking at a couple of verses, we want to see how the gospel unlocks joy and contentment. We talked about being content and enjoying the gospel and what the gospel does. The good news, that victory has been won for us. It's not us that does it. It's Christ working through me, through us, to deal with our sin. We have a problem with sin. Sin robs joy. Sin robs contentment. Sin brings loss. That's our theme word for this morning, loss. What have we truly lost because of sin? Do you realize? Have you thought about that? And that's really what we want because David has brought us to this point. He's teaching us because he experienced this loss. And this morning, it, because of concealed sin, we have bought into the lie Satan knows how to trip us up because we want to be good Christians. He has, he has looked at us and he said, look, we need to be good Christians. And so what do we do? In order to be good Christians, we do a lot of good. And we're like, oh, but if they knew some of my problems, then I won't be a good Christian. So we hide and we don't realize the devastating work of sin in our life when we start to conceal our problems, our anger, our miscommunication, our dislike of something in somebody's life, and, and all whatever the concealed sin, we struggle. That's what, as we look at Psalm 32, that's what it's all about. And so as we read God's Word, we're going to read parts of Psalm 32 and parts of Psalm 51. So as I prepare to pray and ask God to bless His Word, uh, you can put your finger in both. We're going to go back and forth uh, from Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. So let's pray. Lord, Bless 
the reading of your word. May your spirit direct us to the intent of your word, the point. Lord, it is important. You've desired that we who are lost, you've told us we can have great joy in dealing with our sin because of your work on the cross. May we see that. May we not run in shame because that's the work of sin and that's the work of Satan. But may we cling to the work that you have done in our life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, who died on the cross to be the go-between, to remove your wrath and to provide peace and joy and contentment. Your work. And may we see that we can have those things in the midst of our struggle with sin. May we cling to your work and not to our work, to me. So Lord, I pray that your words would have great value and input in the direction of our lives in the midst of the struggle in which we find ourselves. And may we see the true pandemic that is wasting away our joy and contentment in life. And may we be blessed because of the truth that you give us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul introduced this concept and this ideas of joy and and finding contentment and what the gospel really does when he introduced it in Romans chapter 4. And uh, we already saw that, Lyle read it, but verses 4 through 8, it says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. When we do work, we receive something as due. When we work in this life, we get the things of this life. But God does a work that we cannot do, and He provides it as a gift. Verse 5, And to the one who does not work but believes or trusts in Him, that is God, who justifies the ungodly, His faith is counted as righteousness. Romans 4, 5, just as we go in, just stay in verse uh, Just stay in Psalm 32, but Paul is looking and saying, look, it's not your work, it's God's work. Verse 6, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sin are covered. Who does the covering. God does. His work. If we seek to cover our sin by our work, it's no longer a gift. There's no longer blessing. There's no longer joy. There's no longer contentment. So here's the real question. Who is concealing your sin this morning? Who's covering your sin this morning? Are you doing that? Are you putting works in your life to do that? Or is it God? 
Psalm 32, David says in verse 1 through verse 5, we're going to only look at verses 3 and 4 this morning, he says this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Though my, through my groaning all the day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. David put it this way in Psalm 51 because he's, Psalm 32 is written or sung by David because of Psalm 51. Because David had hidden his sin. Because David had sinned with Bathsheba and and David not only had sinned with Bathsheba, but he, com- he committed murder and he covered it all up. And yet God exposed his sin. In Psalm 51, in verses 10 through 12, he says this. David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy. He lost joy. Lost. There's that word again. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. That which was lost is now found. Do you see what David said he committed? He says, I'm going to teach it to to people who sin. I want them to know that they can be found and that they need to stop covering their sins by their works and return to a holy and just God who can replace your works with God's righteousness. And let God forgive and restore you to joy and contentment. And that's the real thing. Unconfessed sin produces problems in areas in your life more than you realize. In your notes, you'll see that there are three areas. Unconfessed sin, and we're going to go back in verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 32 to see how David says that sin, and especially unconfessed sin, covered sin that you have tried to cover by your works, what this truly does to your life. It's a pandemic that is destroying our lives as believers more than we realize. You notice that in verse 3, David says, "...for I have kept, I have kept silent." It was purpose. This unconfessed sin was not done by accident. We're not talking about sin that we just, oh, wow, that is sin, and I need to deal with it. That's not what we're talking about. David didn't just have a moment where God revealed to him sin in his life. This is 
Sin that David knows. This is sin that David is ashamed of. This is sin that David doesn't want anybody to know. I want to be a good king. I want to be the, the guy that God says, that's a man after my own heart. Don't we all want to be there? We want to be in that position. We want people to see us as we are good Christians. Right? So, oh, we better not let them see all my life because then they'll see my shortcomings. That is what David is saying when he said, I have kept silent. For when I kept silent, it was purposeful. It affected three areas. You can write these in your notes and then we'll explain them. Unconfessed sin is going to affect your physical life, your spiritual life, and your emotional life. We can break it out into five or six different areas, but I'm not going to do that this morning because that's confusing. We're just going to look at those three things. It encompasses everything. Unconfessed sin will affect your physical life, your spiritual life, and your emotional life. Look at our text. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. My bones wasted away. He is saying that he's become like an old man. Don't we say that all the time? I'm like, you know, people are like, how are you doing, pastor? I say, oh, my back hurts. It stinks getting old. That's what he's talking about. David said, because of my unconfessed sin, I literally felt like a crippled old man. His bones are literally wasting away. Have you ever... I've never, I can, I'm always amazed when I was teaching down at the mission. I've told you this before. When I taught down there and I was teaching counseling classes and theology classes to guys in New Life program where they spend a whole year just studying the Bible to get right with God. It's amazing. But I go in there and people would look at me and say, aren't you too young to be a pastor? And then I would say, well, how old are you? And they were like, 35. And I'm like, I thought he was like 50 or 60. And they're like, well, how old do you think I am? And they're like, 25. And I'm like, I'm 40. And they're like, what? You're older than me? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, but you don't look older. And it's like, that's the blessing of a right relationship with God. David's saying that unconfessed sin damages physically. The sad fact is this, sin will take a physical toll on a sinner. The stress of a double life, unconfessed sin, will make you feel old, oppressed, and dry. You know what's amazing? Think about that dryness that in our text here talks about being dry spiritually, physically, emotionally. I've been learning about pigs. You know, we have pigs on my farm. I better learn about pigs. They're, they're crazy animals. Pigs and sheep are two different things. I have, didn't ever really think about this, but the Bible talks about pigs, and the Bible talks about sheep, and the two don't mix. And you know what's funny is, is pigs need Mud. They just have to have mud. If they don't have mud, they will do whatever they can to dump their water and make mud. 
I try to keep mud away from my farm. Uh, and it's like, I don't want the flies. I don't want all the, but they make mud. And I realize their skin, they need the mud. In order to enjoy life, they have no way to control their temperature. They need the water. They need the mud. Sheep are completely opposite. You know what happens if sheep get in mud? Well, yeah, they become miserable. They become matted. The mud clogs their pores. Now they have no way to control the heat. And in fact, they get infected. And they die. Pigs and sheep are completely different. What has God called the believers in the church? What does God say about pigs in the Old Testament? Unclean! Why do we keep trying to wallow in the mud? We're not pigs. It's amazing how we try to wallow in the culture and we think that certain things and sinful things in our culture are acceptable. We're killing ourselves as believers physically. And if you go back to Psalm 31, verse 10, David is very dramatic about what sin has done to him. In verse 10, he says, For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with with." Sighing, my strength fails because of my iniquities and my bones waste away. He's physically just tormented. I am convinced that many people who spend a lot of money at the doctor, the pharmacy, going through life to physically help themselves, I gotta, I gotta do better. And they spend so much money on appearance and all these physical things. They do better just to let God uncover their sin, expose it, confess it, and let God cover it for good. We would be so much better physically. If you wonder, the wisest man in the world didn't show us how to be better with pharmaceuticals, but the song and Solomon said in Proverbs 20 13, he said, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find mercy. Sometimes there's a lot of grief and trouble that comes from admitting your sin. And you're scared and you're saying, if I admit my sin, and then I'm I'm, I'm just gonna get muddy and filthy, but no. You're a sheep. And there's sin in your life. You're, 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 you're matted and you're clean. And you know what God does? He comes with the shears of righteousness and he shears the sin out of your life so that his righteousness regrows. 1 John 1 9. He who can, you know, right? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all impurities. He purifies us. He re-shears us. Isn't that what a shepherd does with his sheep? Yeah. Unconfessed sin is brutal. Filth and slime and stuff on sheep is brutal for a sheep. 
Unconfessed sin, number two, damages the spiritual life. Do you see that next in in verse 4? It says, for the day and night, your hand is heavy upon me. It's literally talking about the heavy hand of God. Do you you feel that when you're living in sin? You just feel God's conviction on your life and things are heavy. God just doesn't let you, if you're a believer and you've put your faith and trust in Christ and he saved you, he's done the work in your life and you're continuing to pursue sin and you cover it up, it is, your life is going to spiritually be just heavy. No matter how much you read the Bible, no matter how much you sing or sit in a chair, go to church, watch a Zoom meeting, watch a live stream, listen to preachers, you're just going to be heavy. It's a Hebrewism or it's a term that your heavy hand, it's David is saying that God's hand is referring to the chastisement or that God is disciplining him. Psalm 32 here is expressing, is expressed as a past pain of, of the sin with Bathsheba. It says, for when I kept silent, when I did that, my bones wasted away, and now I'm groaning, and now God is dealing with me in a spiritual sense. And in Psalm 38, he continues on, and he expresses the same idea. And he says, here he expresses this deep pain that he feels, and he says, for your arrows have sunken into me. God has sunken his arrows of discipline into David. Psalm 38, verse 2. Notice how this affected David in verse 10 of Psalm 38. My heart throbs, my strength fails me. We read this before. And the light of my eyes, it is gone. Do you know that he is expressing the fact that his relationship with God is not there. He's being disciplined and he doesn't feel the joy of the Lord. This is what unconfessed sin does. Notice the language here in our text when it says his heavy hand. It's, in, it's, it's all about in our spiritual walk we're missing what God wants. We're missing the relationship that, that Christ paid for when he died on the cross for our sin. In verse 11 of Psalm 38, it's a great, I can't go into the whole thing, but listen, it says, my friend and companion stand all far from me, from my plague. Listen to there. From my plague. Remember, we're going through a pandemic. Look what, he, what David calls sin. It's a plague. And my nearest kin stand far off. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, do not be far from me. Why is God afar from David? Concealed sin. There's some practical aspects of what sin does to our spiritual life. There's no longer shouts of joy. Do you see David singing great joyful songs of praise about how great God is? Or is he down in the dumps muttering of where is my relationship with God? Shouts of joy are gone. The power is absent. The power that once was in David's life is now gone because of concealed sin. By the way, the appetite 
affects our spiritual life, the appetite for the things of God are gone. The more we conceal sin, the more our appetite is gone. By the way, have you ever thought about it? A loss of appetite usually singles, it signals only two different things. If you don't have an appetite, it usually means, one, you're sick, right? Or you're dead. Complete loss. If your spiritual appetite is missing, you're either sick or you're dead. This is a dangerous situation. Hebrews chapter 4, or I'm sorry, Hebrews, Ephesians 4.30, right? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit that was within you. Unconfessed sin destroys your spiritual life. Church is not a, a, a fun place. You're like, oh, I, I, it's a drag. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to do your Bible study. You don't want to talk to people about the Lord. You're not witnessing. You're not going to go out and share and say, hey, look what Jesus did for me. He died for me. You're not going to go down the street and say, when somebody grumbles and complains about something, it's like, oh, do you want to hear about the hope that I have in Christ? The circumstances no longer control you because God's joy is controlling you when we confess our sin. It affects you emotionally. Verse, the end, it says, My strength is dried up as by the heat of the summer. We all know here by the time the end of August rolls around, our water tables kind of disappeared, right? Where did the water go? Uh, so far, my water table hasn't disappeared. I still have, I dig down four feet, there's water. So, <laughs> uh, praise the Lord for my animals and my grass is still growing. I wish it would stop, right? The, it's the bane of Humboldt County. Grass is always growing. In Israel, when the summer comes, all the flowers are gone. All the grass is gone. It becomes a desert. Everything dries up. There's no more food. You're, you're, you're just, you, you become, you know, have you ever been in 110 degree heat? Do you feel like jumping for joy? Do you feel like, 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 hey, let's go run around outside and play games and play ultimate frisbee? No, not wise. <laughs> no, right? My family is, it's 100 degrees where they're at. What are they doing? They're in the shade. They're laying in a hammock. They're trying to find water. We're dry. My body needs moisture. Maybe you're going through life like that right now, and it just seems like the heat is cranked. You're dry. You're parched. Where is the joy? Where is the blessing? This is how devastating sin is. It affects you from an the David saying. It destroys your emotions, literally dries them up. The more you cover up sin, emotionally it dries up and you feel depressed. The vitality in your emotional life is gone. What an amazing picture. This is a picture of someone who's lost joy. They've lost hope. They've lost contentment. The idea from David is that there's so many people today who are suffering emotional 
I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not all emotion. This is not, we got to be careful not to be like Job's, you know, Job's uh, friends who, <laughs> all right, Job, where's the sin in your life, <laughs> right? But sin is dangerous, guys. David is teaching us from his own experience. We need to realize that sin is a devastating plague. We need to treat it as what it is. And we're suffering. There's a lot of suffering in believers' life today. There's a lot of worry, a lot of fear. There's a lot of emotions. You know what's crazy? During this time, during the COVID crisis, I don't get phone calls about people being sick with COVID. I've never got a phone call yet or a text message or a message about somebody being afraid of the sickness. Every single person that I've talked to, prayed with, and that is struggling or text message is, have you seen the regulations? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? It's never, we are more afraid about the government and we're more in a fear about our society. We're more in fear about regulations than we are about the sickness itself. We need to be more afraid of sin. That sickness destroys more completely than the viruses on this earth. Friends, sin will steal your joy. It will leave you broken, bleeding spiritually. Notice what David requests from the Lord after he had sinned with Bathsheba. Remember we read Psalm 51. What did he request? Create in me and, and bring back the joy that I lost. Bring back that relationship. I can see in some people's life, uh, in their minds right now, in the live stream and maybe in your life, I don't know, but you're saying, yeah, yeah, I know, sin is bad. Blah, 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 and you're just turning me off. Yeah, we know, sin, you know, blah, blah, blah. Do you know what great lengths that God went to destroy sin? Do you really think about it? He hung on a cross for the joy, for your joy. It was his joy to be able to go to the cross to produce joy for you, to kill sin. Stop hiding sin. Let him kill it in your life. Stop worrying about what people think. Let God Kill sin in your life. Sin will cause more problems than anything else this world has to offer. It'll lead you. David's saying, begging, he's, he's, he's saying, look, guys, treat sin for what it is. Here's the, some of the things. How have you minimized sin in your life? If you minimize sin in your life and you try to make yourself feel better, what you've really done is minimized the cross of Christ. David is saying, look, if you do that, you're losing out. It's, yes, it'll affect you physically, but it kills your relationship with God. And it steals the chief emotions that God desires to bless you with. Joy, contentment, 
peace, all of those things you cannot produce. Sin will never give it to you. Whatever you want to make yourself feel better and you desire, whatever that sinful thing is, it will not produce what Christ produced. And we can have joy letting God kill our sin. I want to challenge you. How have you been looking at your sin? Do you want people to know about it? Are you ready to hide it, cover it up? Are you willing to let God kill the sin in your life? Stop worrying about your works and rely on His works. Because when you do that, the cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And when the cross gets bigger, bigger, and bigger, the joy is full. The burdens are less. The mighty hand of God is covering you, is lifting you, is not holding you, but lifting you. And He sets you with Christ next to God. You see, Satan has taught us, the world has taught us, if you want to be good, don't let people know how bad you really are. And you live a double life. You're wallowing as a sheep in mud and destroying your life, wondering, where is my life gone? But the joy, there's joy in letting sin be uncovered. Let God deal with your sin. He will do that if you allow it to be uncovered and be dealt with. Isn't that weird? How what something seems bad, but yet God says, no, this can be great. That's the way God works. If it seems opposite from the world, then it's God. <laughs> Usually. Where are you gonna where are you looking for joy, peace, and contentment? It is only found in the cross of Christ, in his mighty work. If you feel lost this morning, maybe it's because you're sick dealing with sin or not dealing with sin. Or maybe it's because you're dead and you're not, you haven't submitted to Christ and responded to the gift, His work that He did and you're not responding to it and you're not, you haven't trusted in Christ to pay for your sin. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Christ. Have you given your life to Christ? Have you submitted to Him? Because if you cry out to Him and submit your life to Him and cry out to Him, He will save you. And He will begin to work in your life for His joy, for His glory, for His pleasure. Let's pray.